Hey guys, so in this episode I'm interviewing Steve Krang. He's one of the top 1% of brokers, real estate brokers in the United States. Anyways, I'm super excited to be speaking to him, so let's bring him onto the show. Steve, my man, how are you today? I'm doing good, doing good. As you know, you know, I had, sorry I had to delay you a little bit. I was closing a deal, you know, 4.50 on a Friday. So. Absolutely fine with you closing deals before our calls. That's goes to show what you're doing. So... Could you tell us a little bit more about your background and, I guess, what you've done in the past and what's taken you to where you are today? Uh, well, how far back do you want to go? you want to go before real estate or throughout real estate? Let's go before real estate. What's what's the earliest you can remember? What's How did sales become a passion for you? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I never really had a passion for sales until I got into this business. Um, I was uh, – my background is actually in engineering. So – I, uh, I started, uh, I was an electrical engineer back at Arizona State, went to get my master's degree at UC San Diego and worked in Intel for a few years, but you know, that life was not for me. Turns out I am not employee material. So, um, you know, I, I always knew I was going to start a business. I didn't know what business. Uh, I met a real estate broker and, you know, I said, hey, you know, what you do sounds pretty cool. Let, let, me, let me see what that is. Um, this is back in May of 2007. So I met him uh, while we were buying some properties. I uh, got my real estate license in two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks, submitted my two weeks notice, and then jumped in with both feet. And uh, some argue the worst time to get into real estate. So was this around 2009? That's how I got into it. And after that, 2007. 2007. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, see so, why they said that. Yeah, so I got in, and uh, you know, once I got into it, I learned all this all the skills you need, which, you know, is entrepreneurship and sales and uh, EQ, right? Um, emotional intelligence. So that's how I got that passion, just learning and trying to be the best student of the game as I can be. How did coming into the real estate game at that time affect your business? Well, it was it was terrible. I racked up a lot of credit card debt, you know, the tried anything and everything. Uh, but that's kind of what you have to do. You have to find out what works and what doesn't work. Uh, if you're going to play it safe, you know, why even get in the business at all? Okay, so would you say that coming up through that 08 period actually strengthened your business or hurt your business in the long run? Uh, well, I would say it's been a great foundation for me because I, I didn't know what it was like to be, for it to be easy. You know, as I got into the game, uh, everyone else is leaving the business in droves, you know. Because uh, they didn't know how to adjust to a more difficult market where you actually had to work and you know hustle and bleed. So I've gone through the pain, and the agents today don't know that pain. Uh, it's a lot easier now, you know. And so uh, it's good for them to get in the business now, but at the same time, they don't have that grit that you needed to survive back in those days. Okay, could you talk to us a bit more about what grit is to you? So, what do you mean by the hustle, the grit? What are you actually doing to achieve those results? Uh, sorry, you, you skipped a little bit there. What was that? When you say the hustle, the grit, the doing the work, what is the work to you? What is it that you do on a daily basis that allows you to achieve those results? Is it networking? Is it walking the streets? What is it that's you know, the biggest impact? Uh, for me, uh, a lot of it I put actually in, in, into personal development. You know, One of the books that changed my life was uh, The Miracle Morning. Uh, so you know, I get up at 5 a.m. every single day to get started. Um, as far as the, the grit, you know, it's learning what we need to do, 
um, you know, I've gone through a lot of coaching. That's actually how I met David. I uh, was at the Darren Hardy High Performance Forum. You know, yeah. Um, but it's the learning what to do, uh, going out to find that information, and then executing it. Because knowledge, as you know, without action is is pointless. Okay. So it's learning and then putting it into place. Specifically, what is it that agents should be doing that they aren't doing? Uh, well, I would say a lot of it is is learning. So um, one of the things I tell people when you first get into the business is hire a coach, like day one. You know, don't wait until you can afford it because you can't afford not to. Uh, so, you know, go into coaching and then learning from everyone above you. You know, I think Tony Robbins says you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So just hang out with the people that are more successful than you. And that's what I do. And who do you look up to in the real estate uh, mortgage industry? Who do I look up to? Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the heaviest uh, headers in the country is Russell Shaw. So, you know, I get to meet with him a few times a year, you know, buy him lunch. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, I got, I got a good friend, Jonathan Leahy, back in D.C. You know, he's, he's crushing it. And there's actually another guy in town here, John Glush, who's another Darren Hardy high-performance forum guy. Uh, so these are the guys that, you know, you learn from and grow with. That's awesome. And okay, for the audience who knows, what is it your actual, can you tell us a little bit about your sales volume that you've done the last year or the year, previous year? Uh, so this year we did 100 units, uh, or this past year that just finished, we did 100 units, we did 105. Um, so it was a slight decline, you know, there was a shift and adjustment in our business, uh, but that's how many houses we sold last year. And that was, and uh, you know, I missed my goal by half, which is crazy. So our goal was 200, we hit 100. And so we put it back up. Our goal again is 200. And now we're going to uh, all hustle a little bit harder because we know like that was our goal. We missed it. So, yeah. you know, we got to keep our eyes on the prize. So why did you miss the goal this year? I'm just curious. Because that's... Why is what? 100 is a great number. But why is yeah. it you think you missed your goal by such a large margin? You know, I think part of it had to do with adjusting... Uh, our our compensation and the people that were on the team hmm. and you know having the right people on the team is crucial and there were a couple people on the team that we let stick around a little bit longer than we should so, uh, so we've uh, we raised the bar and we're going to you know say that these are the expectations and if you don't hit this hit these expectations that's fine you know we still love you you just can't be on this team is that and the that, top thing yeah, it's it's a it's a shift, you know. The um, we let people get by with certain things, and that's this year. You know, that's not happening anymore. That's awesome. What kind of things have you changed that have lifted the expectations higher? Uh, so we've been doing the accountability. It's something that we've been doing. It's a it's a daily tracker, mm -hmm. uh, and that's so that's something that we have been doing. But uh, one more thing that we added to it. Uh, in the last couple of weeks is uh, dials. So I just finished a book, uh, Fanatical Prospecting. It's an amazing book Jeb by Blount. Jeb Blount. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I like that book. Yeah. So like, you know, I've never been fired up about prospecting before, but you know, now we are. So like, you can see here, uh, this is our, our weekly activity record, and here's That's all the awesome. dials you got to make. So everyone's responsibility is making 25 dials every single day, no matter what. Uh, so that part of the, you know, we talk about the grit. 
that's to pick up the phone and call 25 people is not fun as you probably imagine so but that's the expectation that's the that's the bar we've set okay and with those dials you're making are they cold audiences are they people that have expressed some interest to you are these from the targeted list or uh we don't cold call okay uh no a lot of these i would say great majority of this are are internet leads but um it's it's a lot of follow-up as well you know if these are people that express interest now we're following up with them and saying, hey, you know, we had talked before. You're still thinking about buying, selling, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's also past clients. You know, hey, it's uh, it's Steve Trang. You know, we bought a house a couple of months ago. Just want to make sure everything's still going good. Are you still happy with the house? Yeah. And they say yes. Okay, wonderful. You know, if you know anyone else that would appreciate great service, you know, uh, we, we do like to work by referral, so please let us know. Don't keep us a secret. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. I guess that's one thing that most people don't do. They don't they don't follow up with their past clients. They don't follow up with people who already yeah. bought from them. That just someone's done a service for you. Go back and speak to them. Yeah, and that was probably one of the biggest uh, light bulbs I had in 2016. Hmm. Was um, you know I've been really good at lead gen, but I've been really shitty <laughs> at lead uh, uh, staying connected with our leads. And so that was one of the focuses for 2016. And we can tell already when we're making these calls, the it's, the clients are much warmer now, you know, because now we're treating them like clients for life. So we all know it, we all say it, but to actually treat them like clients for life, it's been a, it's been a major game changer for us. This is a big difference there. You actually, the how when you say treating them like clients for life, it's a big difference from treating them like a number in a phone book. I think a lot of agents and salespeople in general they just look at their clients go not really a client to me just a a customer someone that i need to sell but i guess you caring for you guys that's why you're able to do that volume because people want to come back to you yeah so i mean follow up with like we have a a birthday you know like so on their birthdays we'll we'll send them something you know ideally it's something that's facebook worthy but we can't control whether they post it on facebook but you know it's something that impresses them, wows them, you know, they, they text us, they, they mm. Facebook message us. It'd be nice again if they would Facebook, the post, on, yeah. you know, post it. But it's, they're, they're, they feel touched and they appreciate it and that's that, creating that emotional connection that we weren't doing before. What would you say you spend to acquire a customer? Uh, could you say that again? How much do you spend to acquire a customer and how much do you spend once they are customers to do that kind of stuff? Oh, well, uh, to, to spend per customer, I mean, our lead acquisition cost is very high. I, I already know that our lead, like our average internet lead is around $17, $18, right? Okay. Which isn't so bad if that if every single one of those leads closes, but we know we close like 1% of them. Yeah. And if we know we close like 1% of them, then that means that actual cost for closing is 1700 Yeah, yeah 17 1800 so with that number, you know, that's why we know we got to treat them well. And we'd pay, we don't spend nearly that much to keep them happy, you know. So I would say for a client that we think will refer us business, we spend less than $100 per client. And we should spend more than that. But yeah. it's hard to find even where to spend that money on them. <laughs> I guess funny, those touch points that really make sense. And it's brilliant. Um when you say internet leads, do you mean Facebook leads, AdWords, a mix of everything? Uh, Google pay-per-click. Uh, we do Facebook too, but 
Facebook, the the cost per acquisition is much lower, but mm-hmm. the engagement is is also much lower, and they're much further along in the sales cycle, right? It's disruptive yeah. marketing versus uh, proactive. Researching. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, pay per clicks are are, are are bread and butter. Brilliant. And what would you say you've learned from these masterminds you've been in? So you said you worked with like Darren. What's his name again? Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy. What did you learn? Uh, yeah, he's the. Well, the biggest thing I learned, that's why I said earlier, was that these guys are your are, are your clients. These guys are not just people to put in your database and forever, right? Like yeah. their their biggest value is once they're in your database, and that was the biggest mindset shift for me. Uh, the other thing I say was people, and again, you know, we've always known that people are your biggest assets, but really treating them like they're your biggest assets, hmm. treating them right, and so we kind of shifted. Or we're putting more focus on trying to be more like Southwest, Costco, Nordstrom, where we're treating the people that work for us like they're the most important people in the world, you know, and treating them more, uh, having their back more than the the customers. Not to say that we want to, you know, Hmm. pick sides, but if if customer complains about uh, one of our agents, we're going to talk to our agents like, hey, what's going on? What happened? Versus just throwing them under the bus, you know. So just because it's it's easy to just sacrifice one of your people, right? Like that's kind of we we live in a, a cutthroat world, but really oh, yeah. treating your people like like they're your family. That's right. And and, and watching like? them treat your clients like family. What's your personal life like? Do My you family have, life? Do you have much balance between work and uh, I guess family, or is it all? Oh, absolutely. Oh no, no. Uh, family is very important to me. So um, I love my parents, uh, but I can also say that they were never there. You know, yeah. and it's not it's not because they didn't want to be there. Like they both work 70, 80 hours a week, so yeah. it's a miracle that you know nothing bad happened with me. You know, uh, but with that growing up, I made a commitment to have work life balance. That's something that's very important to me. Okay. Keep so you know, I try to I try to be home at five thirty every day. It does it doesn't happen, but I try. Tell us a little bit about that poster behind you because you don't seem like an OG gangster to me. Fifty cent back, so, fifty cent get rich trying in the background for those listening on the audio only. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's fifty cent get rich trying the movie poster. Uh, you know, it's something that uh, I, I wanted to have something in there that says, "I mean, that's our motto. Uh, we don't. We're we're trying to you know go all the way and make it big. It's we're trying to take over Phoenix. We're not doing this for fun. You know, we're not doing this to make." Hmm. Uh, a reasonable salary, right? We're trying to be the number one agent, number one brokerage in Phoenix, and eventually, you know, at some point, the highest in the country. Well, if you're doing any sort of venture, you don't want to be robbing yourself or not giving it your all. No, what not at all. Question to you is, why are you so driven? You know, I've I've had people ask me that question. Um, Simon Sinex, the, uh, your big why? I got to tell you, I've tried multiple times. I don't know what my big why is. I don't know what it is. I just know that I want to be be the top. Okay, and growing up, were you were your family business oriented, or were they more employee kind of? They worked hard for the family. Uh, they were both. Uh, they they were both employees. My dad was a tech at a company. My mom was a supervisor. Um, so they worked menial jobs. Uh, I still remember when I was five. You know, looking at their paychecks. My mom's paycheck for the two weeks was three hundred and twenty-five dollars. That's yeah. Uh, so that's what I grew up with. Uh, we, I, you, 
good point to my background. We came here as immigrants. I was born in a refugee camp in Italy. So we came here when I was seven months old. I always have a picture of when we got to Sky Harbor Airport, the airport in Phoenix with the red carpet. Uh, not like red carpet bring us in with Academy Awards. Like yeah. literally the whole place was a red carpet. <clears throat> and so uh, we we lived in a mobile home park. Uh, so we grew up poor, but I'm not sure that's what drives me. I can't point to it and say consciously that's what drives me. Hmm. But who knows? It's one of those things. It's always find it interesting talking to people. They talk about their backgrounds. It's always some sort of something there that seems to drive entrepreneurs. They, I don't know, just something that I've noticed across these calls. But it's exciting and you're doing great. So love it. If people want to connect with you or learn more from you, do you have a way for them to do that? Or are you training brokers or what's the best way to connect? Yeah, with I mean, if someone wants to get a hold of me, uh, you know, my, it's easy to find me, right? Uh, being an entrepreneur, all your contact info is always out there. Uh, so uh, you can go to steetrang.com. Uh, you can email me, steve at stunninghomesrealty.com. Um, or you can call me. You know, my phone number is on the website. So it's, that's it. That's Done. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly accessible. So, And if you want to buy or sell, definitely go to stevetrang.com. Um, especially if you're in the Phoenix area or anywhere in the States, just give him a call. He'll hook you up. Absolutely. Great we guys. definitely will. And we'll take great care of you. Great, guys. Till next time, we'll see you on the next episode.